0: Being a nurse in and of itself makes you a health policy expert. Hello,
1: everyone. I'm Angela Rosa DiDonato. And I'm Marion Leary. And you're listening to Amplify Nursing, a Penn Nursing podcast supported by the Panola Fund for Innovation in Nursing. Amplify Nursing features nurses who are leading the way in science, policy, and
2: innovation. Our guests defy stereotypes, define practice, and disrupt convention. We highlight the breadth and depth of nursing influence on society by amplifying nurses who are pushing boundaries and breaking down barriers to build a new paradigm.
1: Today on Amplify Nursing, we talk to Congresswoman Donna Shalala and Health and Aging Policy Fellow Dr. Allison Hernandez. Representative Shalala has been a titan of health policy spanning over 30 years while most recently representing Florida's 27th District in Congress. Working closely with Representative Shalala, Dr. Hernandez has led efforts to improve care and affordability for Medicare patients. In this interview, we talk about the profound impact nurses can have on policy, the importance of full scope of practice, and why it's so important nurses have a voice at the table.
2: Thank you both for joining us today. Really looking forward to having this conversation with you. I'd like to start with Congresswoman. Um, You've had a long and illustrious career in politics. I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about how you got involved um, in politics and maybe some of the highlights from
3: your career. Well, um, I think of myself as having a long and illustrious career in the academy as opposed to politics. Politics was sort of a side business, uh, opportunities to go into government and most recently to run for Congress. I'm a political scientist. I taught for years at universities and got tenure at Columbia. Um, taught a lot of nursing students actually at Teachers College who were getting their PhDs. Um, so basically, I've gone in and out of government as part of my career. Uh, I started out getting a PhD. Well, I actually started out in the Peace Corps and, and then went to Syracuse and got a PhD and then uh, went to Columbia to teach uh, for almost a decade. And um, during that time, I went to Washington in the Carter administration. I was an urbanist, so I went to HUD to head the policy group, went back to be president of Hunter. Uh, from there, I went to be chancellor of the University of Wisconsin. But you know, I've got a set of academic credentials. I remember seven national academies um, including an honorary uh, member of the nursing um, academy, but I'm also a member of the academy, the National um, Academy of Medicine. Um, so I've, um, I spent most of my career as an academic who also got opportunities to go into government from Wisconsin I went into government and the rest is sort of history, eight years at HHS and then to the University of Miami. After that, but it was really opportunities that opened up. I've always been interested in politics. Um, I like talking to politicians, I like public policy. So it's been a varied career.
2: Yeah, and could you talk a little bit about you were um, the health secretary under um, the Clinton administration? Could you talk a little bit about the work you did there? And then, you know, also. Currently, um, I believe you're on the subcommittee of Health, Empowerment, Labor, and Pension. So what your interest and focus area has been around health and human services for so long
3: and why? Well, um, I've had a long interest in health policy and in social policy. I ran big health systems um, during the course of my career um, before I went to HHS. So... um, I'm deeply interested in issues of poverty, issues of uh, disparity issues, um, uh, the role of professionals in the system. I appointed a lot of nurses when I was secretary, including Shirley Chater, who became head of social security, um, who had been a vice chancellor at UCSF um, and who was a major leader in um, uh, in nursing. Uh, So, my interest in health policy is in helping those that don't have access to quality health care. Um, I know the technical parts of health policy, but I'm much more interested in coverage issues, in quality outcomes, um, in disparities, um, in a whole range in the relationship between health care and the environment Um Uh, Those are the areas that I've spent most of my career being concerned about, and actually the politics and economics of all of that as an academic.
2: So you mentioned appointing a bunch of nurses, and we are joined today by your health and aging policy fellow, Dr. Allison Hernandez. Allison, um, welcome to the show. Thanks for talking with us. Um, Wondering if you could talk a little bit about the work that you're doing as well
0: absolutely and thank you for inviting me to the conversation um it is quite an honor to be able to have to be doing this uh, alongside the congresswoman and yeah so i'm a phd prepared nurse Uh, my background has mostly been in aging related research and you know it was through my phd studies um that i really started to get interested in the connection between how scientists and researchers might influence um legislation in policymaking and policymakers. And that's what led me to seek an opportunity as a health fellow through the Health and Aging Policy Fellowship um, and bring me to DC. And so I have been for the last almost year, uh, which I can't believe it's almost been a year, uh, working with the Congresswoman and her staff um, uh, with a hat of a Health LA, so a legislative assistant uh, covering the portfolio of healthcare or helping cover the portfolio of healthcare uh, under the tenure of the Congresswoman uh, as well as her legislative director and chief of staff. And so it's really been exciting for me to be able to wear my experience as um, a researcher and a nurse, you know, my clinical experience as well, and combine that with uh, witnessing hands on deck uh, in terms of my experience of the policymaking process. And really understand what are the levers uh that we can pull and sort of press to influence policy making uh what what are the politics of it and also what what are the incentives that that we can use in order to inform sound um, and good health policy? so that's really been my role in the office learning most of all but also being able to give input and insight from my nursing and research perspective and just sort of to highlight and Kind of demystify the role of a staffer in the U.S. House of Representatives, which was the role I was in. Um, you know, it is one of sort of being an information specialist for the member of Congress and really being able to be their eyes and ears and have a pulse on both what's happening in Washington but also what's happening in the district. And so I uh, had to learn to to think quick and to to know where to go and gather information if we needed it uh, for the Congresswoman. Um, but obviously, she is our health expert in the office, so oftentimes that wasn't even needed, but I was able to learn a lot about staffing, uh, about health policy through having to go through the exercises of, of being a health staffer. Um, and then some of the pieces of legislation we've worked on, um, like I said, I mentioned the So it's HR 5076, it's our Protecting Seniors Through Immunizations Act, and basically what it does um, or what um, it would do if it's enacted is that Medicare, vaccines under Medicare Part B and D, um, under Medicare Part D, they do not have copayment, and under Medicare Part D, they do. So for example, the flu vaccine, Uh, if you're a Medicare beneficiary, you can get it for free through your Medicare B. Um, um, program. But through Medicare Part D, vaccines like the shingles, for example, um, are, are and can be very costly for older adults trying to get them. So, what this bill does is it basically creates parity. It eliminates any cost sharing or co payments on the Medicare Part D side. And, um, and the precedent for the bill was actually came because of the fact that under the um, ACA or Obamacare, Um, We have a schedule of vaccines that the CDC says we should all get and should be available to us uh, in order to stay healthy. uh, It's part of our sort of public health mandate. And, um, you know, so for some beneficiaries entering Medicare, they might have been able to receive a lot of these vaccines at no cost, and then they become beneficiaries and realize that some of them will come with a cost, which is problematic for older adults, retirees who are living on fixed incomes and there's been research to show that, you know, a small amount of copayment, uh, $10, $5, $15 can deter um, individuals from getting, um, you know, the vaccines they need. And we know that even about medications, right? So um, this was one really exciting bill that I got to sort of gather co-sponsorship and find ways to promote. Um, we wrote a op-ed in on the Hill on behalf of the Congresswoman and some of the additional co-sponsors of the bill. And uh, it was great to see how we could use uh, the news and media to showcase what we were doing legislatively and then share that with other staff and offices. Um, So that's one example. And then the other, which I think would be really interesting for especially a lot of nursing groups, um, I worked with the National Association of Hispanic Nurses to introduce the house resolution to honor the work um, and the, the diversity, the add, value-add of Hispanic nurses um, nationally. And the National Association of Hispanic Nurses had come to me because they knew the, how important nursing was to the Congresswoman uh, and the work that she has already done on behalf of the profession, that she's a real champion. And being that she represents a district in Miami, they thought she was well positioned to carry sort of this mission forward in nationally honoring Hispanic nurses and the work that they do. Uh, so uh, that was an exciting project because I got to um, you know, help write the, the, the piece of legislation uh, or the resolution and find someone or a different member of Congress to introduce it with. We ultimately introduced it with Representative Chuy Garcia from Illinois, and we worked together through him and through his ties to the Congressional Hispanic Caucus to gather co-sponsorships and introduce the legislation. Um, So, Again, it was really exciting because I got to work on it from the genesis and really see what it took to convince people or promote the resolution and create awareness both through the media, but also through the congressional offices. Um, and yeah, those were two of the premier or premier uh, projects that I got to work on, but I got to do really so much that I could spend an hour talking about uh, all the great work that I got exposed to through the office.
2: And so you said to give insight from your nursing perspective. What is it from your nursing lens that you think you add to this work?
0: Yeah, so I mean, at a baseline, um, I think you know myself, like any nurse, possess um, innate skills that are good for uh, informing the policymaking process. So just, um, for example, um, you know, working as a nurse uh, as a staff nurse in a hospital, Being able to translate and communicate complex issues and facts, you know, from patient to physician or to other people of the care team continuum is one example of using that skill to speak to members of Congress or committee members or committee staff and talking about, you know, complex um, issues. pieces of legislation or things that might need to be put in um, a uh, legislative agenda. So that's just sort of an idea of, of how we can uh, leverage our skills as nurses um, because we already possess them through our education. Also from an advocacy perspective, you know, we're trained to try to understand patients holistically uh, and then also understand their needs and how we can best and better deliver care. And I've really been able to use that skill to build rapport and trust with all of the stakeholder groups we've worked with um, in the office as well as other staff members in Congress and members of Congress themselves.
2: Congresswoman Shalala, I'm wondering what it is about nurses that you feel is really important to have in these types of roles and um, in politics in general?
3: I think because nursing is patient-centered and that becomes very important in policy making, because our customers um, are really the patients. And uh, too often we think that our customers are uh, the professionals in the field or the institutions as opposed to the patients. And that's who we're actually... And in nursing, they're at the center of much of the research. And uh, nurses are literally on the front line uh, focused on the patients. So that point of view, that approach is extremely important from my point of view in policymaking.
2: Obviously, we all know that the COVID-19 pandemic has been getting worse, not better. And um, President-elect Biden has created a COVID task force. And unfortunately, there's no nurses currently on that task force. I'm wondering... How you think we can make politicians understand the value, knowledge, and experiences that nurses could bring to these types of positions?
3: you know uh, I thought that was unfortunate. That they didn't have a nurse on the panel i I'm not sure whether they did it at the last minute or they didn't think about it, but most most secretaries have thought about it a lot. I certainly did, and tried to place nurses in street strategic places, including as regional directors. I mean, I didn't want to cubbyhole people. I, I just, you know, the American Nurses Association really has to be consciously lobbying the administration to make sure that they understand that nurses have to be represented. I mean, they're the ones that are delivering care in this COVID world. And, uh, um, and the people um, around the uh, new president know better. To talk a little bit more about
2: COVID-19 and your thoughts on um, where we're at right now with the pandemic and what your thoughts are on the vaccines that could potentially be coming out at the end of this year, early next year.
3: Well, we're in great trouble. Um, uh, COVID is spreading rapidly across the country. We're in community spread in most parts of the country. Uh, because we haven't had the discipline of masks and social distancing and washing our hands. Um, And the states, some of the states have taken this seriously, others have not. Uh, But I think we're in serious trouble because the president hasn't taken a strong hand here. And uh, as for the vaccine, it's no panacea and it's not going to come for some period of time. We're going to be able to hopefully protect Um, essential workers, including nurses, as quickly as we possibly get it. But it looks like the FDA may not approve it until December. Um, And then we need to protect seniors and and those with pre-existing conditions who are at risk. So it's going to take some time into next year. Meanwhile, a lot of people are going to die unless we get our arms around this. And um, uh, I have little hope for the current administration, and but considerable hope for the new administration as it comes in.
2: And what do you, you're a Congresswoman, um, what do you tell your constituents in your district that they should be doing right now to help uh, lessen the rampant spread of this pandemic?
3: I tell them the, the simplest things in public health, that they've got to wear masks, um, they should not be involved in social gatherings. They shouldn't be going to bars. They have to practice social distancing. They have to be careful about not infecting other members of their families. Uh, if they go to work, um, they have to get tested and they certainly have to practice the, uh, the washing hands, uh, which has always been the fundamentals of public health.
2: And so right now, the Supreme Court is reviewing the Affordable Care Act. I wonder if you could talk about how, where you see that going and what happens um, if they rule in favor or against.
3: Oh, I, I think that it sounds like they're going to leave it most of it intact except for the mandate. That's what it sounded like, but it's very high risk. The Republicans should not have done this in the first place. It's putting millions and millions of people at risk. I have the largest enrollment of any congressional district in the country in the Affordable Care Act, over 100,000 people. Um, And so um, it's really, it's quite scary to them, but more importantly, in the middle of a COVID, uh, in the middle of COVID, that's the last thing we ought to be doing is trying to take healthcare Uh, away from people. But I just, I hope cooler heads will prevail in the Supreme Court. And the argument sounded that way.
1: We hope you're enjoying this episode. And we'll be back with more in a few minutes after this quick
4: break. Hi, this is Dr. Nurstan, host of the Handoff podcast. I'm an author, provocateur, and head of clinical innovation at Trusted Health. Each week, I speak with guests from every corner of the nursing industry, from the bedside to academia to policy, nonprofit, and more, all with one simple goal, to uncover the insights that will help nurses and nurse leaders do their jobs better, whether it's at the bedside, managing a unit, or an entire health system. The handoff is in its second season, and in recent episodes, we've covered everything from addressing bullying and incivility in nursing to building units that are safe for nurses of color to the impact that COVID-19 has had on simulation. It has never been a more exciting or a more challenging time to be a nurse, and I hope you'll join us to listen to these important conversations. You can find us at trustedhealth.com backslash the dash handoff dash podcast on Apple podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts.
0: I'd like
2: to now transition a little bit to asking you about what, what do you think the role of nurses and advanced practice nurses play in providing high
3: quality care? Well, look, I've written extensively on this in the future of nursing report for the Institute of Medicine. Uh, But basically I see this is the golden age of nursing and because nurses can do 70, 80% of what a primary care physician can do and much of COVID is primary care. Some of it's high tech when someone gets severely um, sick but uh, um, nurses are needed at every phase of the disease and nurses have a better sense of public health. and I think are better trained and increasingly better trained. Um, I think the AIDS crisis alerted us to the fact that we're right in the middle of public health crises. And uh, uh, I, just, I just think nurses are central to all of this.
2: So um, there's still a lot of practice barriers for advanced practice nurses. How do you think we can mitigate some of those? Or do you think we should?
3: Oh, absolutely. And scope of practice is absolutely at the center of improving the quality of health care. And it doesn't have to do with whether you're a red state or a blue state. Many of the red states have a wider scope of practice than the blue states. It all has to do with the power of the medical societies in that particular state. I actually think the federal government ought to figure out a way to preempt this, at least for Medicare and Medicaid patients. Um, uh, but so far, we haven't had the guts to do that.
2: Dr. Hernandez, what do you think, if other nurses are interested in getting involved in policy work, working for um, Congress people like yourself, how would you suggest they start getting involved?
0: Um, That's a great question. Um, And one that I've uh, made my personal mission to try to kind of get out there and talk to all my nursing colleagues, Um, because I think primarily, well, the most important thing is that everyone and every nurse can at some level be involved. And you can do a fellowship like I did, which I can talk a bit more about, but you can also stay civically engaged and become, um, you know, a subject matter expert for a member of Congress, um, but also focusing on your state and local representatives. And, you know, at a, again, at a very Basic level, I think nurses need to be exposed to health policy training in a more formal way. Um, you know, I know not all nursing programs are created equal in the sense that they all either have formal training and health policy or they integrate it throughout the curriculum in some way. I can speak freely and say that I never received formal policy training through my nursing. Um, Uh, graduate or undergraduate training. So, uh, and I see that as an issue because the seed in me was planted a lot further along, but mostly because I would read journal articles and see that researchers would write, oh, my research informs health policy and that's it. There was no because or how or why. So very, very basic, at a very basic level, I think we need to find a way to Formally integrate health policy or just policy in general into nursing education, um, and that includes to expose nurses to health economics and um, and really allow them to understand the role that healthcare plays in our economy. Um, I've had these conversations a lot lately, and and speaking sort of how the more I learned about you know the role that the healthcare system plays in our economy, the more. Um, not necessarily upset, but the more excited I got about figuring out what were the levers or incentives to, to change the way we deliver healthcare. Um, so, you know, that's from an educational perspective, but I think from just sort of a personal perspective, I mean, the number one uh, advice I would give nurses or, or sort of point of view would be, you know, to stay engaged by reading the news. Uh, that's a simple one, uh, not that we don't, but you know find reliable sources of information um, and, and try to pay attention to what's happening. you know pick maybe an issue that relates to your area of practice, uh, whether it be you know if you're a staff nurse, but also if you're an advanced practice nurse. and get involved with your local organizations. Um, you know I know I'm a member of ANA as well as the National Hispanic Nurses Association. Both offer, but uh, they don't. They not only offer information on their advocacy, but they also will bring you um, to do Hill days, and so you'll get to meet uh, members of Congress and and get to talk to them. Um, another thing would be. You know, establish a relationship with your local, um, state, and local representatives as well as your federal representatives. You know, write to them. Every all that information is accessible. Um, you can write about something specific if there's a bill or a piece of legislation that you're interested in talking about. But you can also just offer your expertise and say, "Hey, I'm a constituent, and if if you know, and this is what I do as a nurse, and if you need uh, a subject matter expert." I'm your person. And so I think really uh, capitalizing on, again, our skills of advocating and establishing rapport through a medium of just writing and communicating is really essential and a really great step to start exercising. Um, And I mean, now with social media growing so much, I do think that nurses are uh, surely finding a voice through building their Twitter platforms or writing in blogs or doing more interviews. You, know, you mentioned the, the task force um, that was just appointed and I have been able to engage in a lot of meaningful conversations through Twitter with a lot of different nurses across the nation and, and understand their point of views on, on this issue. And that again, really opens up your eyes to, um, to what are the policy issues at hand and how to stay involved and of course, doing a fellowship, like I mentioned, um, I specifically as a post, uh, when I was looking for a postdoctoral fellowship, I wanted um, health services and policy themed postdocs. So I I specifically applied to programs that would allow me the opportunity to learn about health policy and also get hands-on policy experience. Uh, but that's not necessarily something that everyone can do or um, or maybe wants to do, but that's certainly a, a um, an option. And I'm happy to connect with anyone about the Health and Aging Policy Fellowship, which brought me to DC and has truly transformed my career and perspective um, in terms of the role that I can play in shaping health policy going forward.
2: I'm curious what you think, a lot of nurses, think that um, they shouldn't be in politics, nursing isn't political. And um, I'm wondering what you think about that and how to maybe encourage nurses that, yes, you can take a stand, you can be an expert, you can engage in politics in this way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know what I would honestly say, and maybe I'm really jumping the gun on this one, but I would say that being a nurse in and of itself makes you a health policy expert. And I say that because by, un- by exactly what the Congresswoman was highlighting, nurses possess these innate skills um, that bring them, a bring perspective about what matters the most to our patients. And our patients are you know our clients, are our, are our nation. And that unique perspective is something that every member of Congress and every uh, policymaker wants to hear about. And we're talking about health, which is a super, I mean, it's the hottest topic, right? Uh, especially in the media today. And so I think more that um, nurses need to not fear that they need to put their stethoscopes aside to become political uh, and to engage, but more so that they can use that position to say, you know, I see this every day and I experience this every day. And this is how I see it. And to understand that it's it's a, it can be on a personal level, like I said, building and establishing rapport with a member of Congress uh, or their team specifically, or it can be in a collective way through organizations uh, that are conducive to their area of practice or an issue that matters to them. Um, you know, if they're very invested in gun violence, then maybe you know they want to get locally involved with task forces or community organizations that are working on that where their perspective as a nurse, uh, you know, I I like to say I used to work in a trauma unit. And now when I talk to my colleagues, I say, you know, I'm not healing gun wounds or, you know, treating gun wounds anymore, but I'm hopefully working towards legislation that might prevent gun violence. So, um, so that's a way that I I like to talk to uh, some of my friends uh, in the nursing world and sort of motivate them that it doesn't have to be a nursing issue, it can be an issue that matters to them, to their family. Um, But yes, I definitely think that it all still starts with just understanding the basics of health economics, policy making, and how to break that silo between I'm a nurse and how do I get or communicate with my member of Congress.
2: So, Congresswoman Shalila, um, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about your thoughts on our healthcare system right now in terms of um, private insurance versus Medicare for all and sort of how we got to where we're at today.
3: You know, first, uh, let me uh, comment on the issue of nurses' training because one of the things I think we argued in that Future of Nursing report is that the nursing schools needed to hire economists, political scientists, and sociologists. They needed people with varied backgrounds and the accreditation agencies needed to loosen up on what the requirements were. It's one thing to have a set of requirements in terms of clinical practice, but um, I, at least at the, the three schools where I have been, we tried to integrate more um, more policy into the curriculum and had huge take-ups by our nurses. And uh, the fact is the answer to the question, why isn't there a nurse on the coronavirus task force is exactly the question that you asked about nurses not wanting to go into politics. If they're seen as a force, people will take them seriously. There are more nurses than doctors. And and second, I want to say that I send Alison all my health policy journals. So she really reads them for me because I don't have time to read them anymore. But I think I've gotten her to understand what are the things you need to read if you want to be in the center of the health policy uh, debate uh, in this country. Let me talk a little about Medicare for All. I don't. Uh, i 'm not a supporter of Medicare for all. I think we ought to build on the Affordable Care Act. I am a supporter of a public option. I am a supporter of dropping the age to sixty for getting into Medicare because I think we 'd pick up a group of people that have great difficulty getting insurance and it wouldn 't show it wouldn 't bother the trust fund um, uh, at all to have another half million people added uh, to the system. Um, So I think there are ways of getting to universal coverage faster um, and politically more astute um, other than Medicare for All. When my friends have suggested Medicare for All, I simply have said to them, imagine um, a single payer system with Donald Trump as president. I mean, it'd be a nightmare. Um, And so um, I think that we'll end up building on the existing system.
2: Can I go back to what you said um, in regards to nurses um, at the table? Do you think because nurses aren't putting themselves out there as politi- at, at, in politics or as experts um, that that's why they're not being
3: chosen for these types of task forces? Um, out of sight, out of mind. Um, you know, nursing just has to assert itself, and the national organizations definitely do. In Washington. I'm sure they're appalled that that task force was put together without nurses uh, being represented. Um, So, um, uh, uh, you know, give money to your PACs, to your local uh, and state uh, nurses associations, which have PACs. Nurses, uh, docs participate in this stuff. There's no reason why nurses shouldn't.
2: We were really sad to see that you did not win your reelection bid. And I'm wondering what your future
3: plans hold. I actually don't have any. Um, Lots of people are calling me with interesting um, suggestions, but um, I think that, um, I think I'm gonna wait until January, uh, February. Uh, We're very busy now. And I think it's, and I'm very anxious to have everybody placed Um, everybody that works uh, with me to make sure they get, you know, the right next step in their careers. So I don't think I'm going to think about this until next spring.
2: Dr. Hernandez, what does that mean for you and your fellowship? Is that ending this year regardless or where do you see yourself after January?
0: Yes. um, So Full transparency. I um I knew starting the fellowship year in January those first couple of days in the office with a congresswoman and with her team that this was going to change my life and that this was going to most likely be a career pivot. You know, before starting my fellowship year, I thought I would um, go back to academia um, and pursue you know a, some sort of tenure track position uh, in a nursing school. Um, And I I felt committed to that, and I still am in many ways, uh, but simply experiencing uh, being on the Hill this year, especially during a pandemic, um, and learning about the policymaking process made me realize that I am thirsty and hungry for more, that a year isn't enough, and that I want to continue to Grow my career as a nursing congress or nursing for the nation, whichever way you want to put it, um, and really hone in on those policy making skills. So um, my plan is to uh, stay with the office. My fellowship will be ending at the end of the year, and to um, stay with the office until then, and then try to find a legislative assistant job, um, you know, covering. The portfolio of a member of Congress, or maybe going over to the Senate side, um, but primarily focusing on uh, healthcare portfolio, um, and hoping to learn about other areas that you know, because quite frankly, health intersects all issue areas. So uh, I'm really interested in learning about um, housing. For example, is an issue area uh, issue area that I would love to learn more about. Um, I love to learn more about agriculture and sort of the intersection of um, health and and that issue area. So there's just so much more that I would like to work on and develop and honestly keep not only being a nurse in Congress, but also being sort of the voice for older adult health and well-being, because that is sort of the brand and the passion that brought me to pursue my PhD and then eventually do my postdoc. Um, so yeah, so my plans are to stay in Congress, hopefully, um, and in some in some aspect of the health policy um, space.
2: So, I am a firm believer that we need more nurse, more elected officials who are nurses in Congress. Do you think you would ever run for office?
0: Um, that's an interesting question uh one that i I've, i think my only my parents have joked about uh, with me um, because they say that i'm uh, that i <laughs> i like to be bossy I don't know if that's an inherent trait of being a member of Congress but um but no i I've honestly never really thought about it in a sort of formal sense um I do think that it's a really exciting path, and and in seeing people, or members of Congress like uh, Lauren Underwood and uh, the newly uh, elected Cory Bush, um, I get really excited by the diversity um, factor in in Congress and how we're we're shaping a Congress with time that um, is calling on different people, both culturally, racially, ethnically, and and in background. You know, like the Congresswoman herself. I mean, she's she is an expert uh, in Congress, which uh, isn't all that common, right? Um, so I, from that perspective, I would be very excited to at some point maybe consider uh, you know, running for office. Um, but for now, I'm really excited to be able to contribute to the work of members like the Congresswoman or others that, are, uh, that really wanna capitalize on advancing and making healthcare better for everyone.
2: Well, Congresswoman Shalala, Dr. Hernandez, thank you so much for talking with us today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Hello, Angela.
1: Hello, Marion. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm amazing. That's what I I hear. I couldn't be better. (laughs) 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 So um, we had a great conversation today with Representative Donna Shalala and her health policy fellow, Dr. Allison Hernandez.
2: Yeah, it was an incredible conversation. I will say I was a little starstruck with Congresswoman Shalala. So um, I think I started off a little rough, but you know, when you're talking to somebody who has done what she has done over decades in both the academic world, but also in the policy and uh, political world, you know, it, it took me a little while to find my, my feet.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know what? I think you did a phenomenal job, but she's an icon for sure. And th- such an amazing and varied perspective that I think she brings such a wealth of information, of understanding not just public policy, not just healthcare policy, but all of the politics and history that go along with it all. Yeah, and
2: she's such an advocate for nurses, Mm -hmm. you know, as she was talking about appointing nurses in varying um, positions in government throughout her career, and then also appreciated her candor around, you know, President-elect Biden not appointing a nurse on this current COVID task force. Um, So it was nice to hear her thoughts on that.
1: Yeah. And then um, Dr. Hernandez is a wealth of information regarding policy and already doing phenomenal things so early on in her policy career, uh, which I am really excited to watch take off.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was fascinating to hear her talk about how nurses can be using their experience and knowledge and that nursing lens to advocate for patients and to add to the policymaking that is going on in this country and that you know nurses are needed at that level. And she's a prime example of that and she's doing incredible work. And I actually, I mean, I hope she really does one day consider running for office because um, just that in that short, time talking with her, I was completely energized by what she's doing.
1: Yeah, me too. I hope to see her. I hope to see her move forward.
2: Yeah, I hope to see more nurses in policy making, running for political office and just working with politicians as well, because we need that nursing lens, that experience, you know, leading the health and welfare of this country now more than ever.
1: Amplify Nursing is hosted by Dr. Angela Rosa DiDonato and Marion Leary and produced by the University of Pennsylvania School of Nursing, with special thanks to our Department of Information Technology Services for their assistance. Music for the podcast was created by Harper Leary. The podcast is made possible by the Krista and Rich Panola Fund for Innovation in Nursing. Follow us on Twitter at PennNursing. Until next
2: time keep pushing over, under, around, and through. We want to thank you for listening to the Amplify Nursing Podcast and remind you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeart Radio, or wherever you enjoy your podcast listening. And if you can do us a solid, please rate and review us as well. It will go a long way in amplifying our episodes.